Welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Coming up, we have an interview with Anthony DiStefano. A couple of his books, Greenlee is Growing, that's a new book. And we'll take a look back at the donkey that no one could ride, both available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic. And it's great to see you again, albeit from a distance. Yes, great to be back again. Thank you. So uh, children's book, uh, have you been spending more time these days on children's books? Uh, you know, it, it, they are more of a joy to write than adult books. Uh, books, nonfiction books for adults are hard work. And uh, writing for children is a lot of fun. In, in some ways, it's harder to write for children because you have to come up with a, a more original idea. There are so many submissions out there in the children's book market that your idea really has to be original or competitive. It's actually harder to publish a children's book than it is to publish an adult book, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Uh, but when I do have a good idea, it's a lot more fun for me personally mm -hmm. than to write a book for adults. So I'd like to be writing a, books for children all the time if I had my way. Right. Now, obviously, the donkey that no one could ride, we did like 10 years ago. And it's obviously a very relatable book to Easter, and we'll talk about this. This book is a little bit different in the sense of its overview. Explain. Now, we're talking about Green, Green Lee is Growing, right? That's exactly what I want to talk about. Green yeah, Lee is Growing. Yeah, it's different in a lot of ways. First of all, the, the publisher is Penguin Random House, which is the largest publisher in the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's broader in its meaning just by definition because it's being published by Penguin Random House. It's not explicitly religious, though it is very religious in its outlook. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, well, Greenlee is growing, as you said, and it celebrates the four seasons of the year and how they correspond to the seasons of life. Mm -hmm. The main character is a girl named Greenlee, who we meet when she's three and a half years old, in the in the springtime of her childhood if you will mm -hmm. but then the book follows her uh into the the uh, summer of her youth uh the autumn of her adulthood and then finally by the end of the book greenlee is a gray-haired elderly woman sitting by a fire mm -hmm. knitting in the winter of of her life mm -hmm. and uh you know i wanted to write this book because i i i i want to show children that they grow in the same way that the flowers, trees, and grass grows, that, that they don't have anything to be afraid of when it comes to change, because many children are afraid of change. Mm -hmm. And also, I wanted to show them that there's, there's um, in every season of life, there's potential for, for great joy. Even at the end, in winter, there's, there's, uh, we as Christians believe that uh, there's always going to be a new springtime in the, in the resurrection. So I meant it to be a hopeful right. book. Right. Also, in a sense, you, you have the liturgical aspect in the sense of the seasons that relate to the church, right? Yes, I, I think that um, the book is, um, it, it uses as a springboard the seasons of the year, mm -hmm. which children are familiar with, summer, spring, winter, and fall. Uh, they're not as familiar with the seasons of life, childhood, right. youth, adulthood, and old age, and I try to show them the good things about all of those. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that if a child has the idea of the seasons conceptually, it will be easier for them to understand the seasons of the church year. The church, uh, of course, gives us uh, feast days and uh, liturgical seasons, which commemorate mm -hmm. important events in the life of Christ. And they help enter, they help us enter into the life of Christ in a more meaningful mm -hmm. way. You know, obviously, the whole purpose of our life on earth 
is to be more Christ-like, to be more in union with Christ who is God. And if every single year we celebrate and remember the different events and seasons of Jesus's life, then we're going to be able to connect to his life in a more intimate way. And hopefully we'll be able to be in union with him more. And that's and so even though the book doesn't explicitly mention mm -hmm. the liturgical seasons, right. I hope that by speaking about seasons in an abstract way, parents will be able to use that as a, as a, as a launching point, a teaching moment about right. the, the, the church seasons. Right. What do you say to somebody who says, well, my child is young, do they really have to be thinking about the fact that they're going to be sometime in the future as old as me or as old as their grandmother? Can't they just stay young and where they are today? Well, I certainly don't want to take away their childhood. I mean, uh, I spent much of my adult life trying to enrich the lives of children through books. So I'm, I, I wouldn't want to do that. And I don't think any book could take away from someone's childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think it's very important to teach children about perspective. I don't think it's ever too, learn, too young. I don't think you're ever too young to learn about perspective. Perspective is the big view, uh, the long view. If you don't have that view, Doug, then very often what's going to happen to you is what we see happening to all the children around us mm -hmm. uh, in this generation and to uh, adults too. Everything becomes about uh, focused on instant gratification and instant pleasure. Everybody lives just for the present moment. It's all about uh, me, me, me. I want this, that, and the other thing, and I want it now. And if I don't right. get it, right. then watch out. Now, if you have that kind of an attitude, you're going to be doomed to a very miserable life because, as we know, we don't always get what we want in the present moment. In fact, what we often get is uh, pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the old uh, mystics in the Middle Ages had a, a phrase in Latin that I've used in some of my books, quid ac ad eternitatem. Uh, and that means, what is this in light of eternity? What mm -hmm. is this little problem that I have right now in light of, in light of the big things in life, like right. cancer or death or grieving? It's really nothing. It's, it, it's, it's very small. And having perspective helps us to avoid anxiety right. and helps us to avoid being overwhelmed. And I don't think it's ever too uh, early mm -hmm. to start to teach children that. Right, it's interesting too, because obviously for a child, it's probably even more so like that in the sense of the size of their world and the, and the problems that they perceive having and how big they seem to be at the time. One of the things that's interesting, you talk about the spring, you say there isn't a season as sacred as spring when life comes alive in every dead thing. Why did you call it sacred? sacred because imagine the childhood is so full of wonder it's not just that every single thing is a wonderful thing it's that it's a world of wonder as gk chesterton said uh, they don't know anything children so the world is like it was on the seventh day of creation because they're so innocent and that's why people who abuse children are guilty of such a heinous crime because they're destroying the innocence of uh, this holy sacred time in a person's life when everything is new mm -hmm. and everything is marvelous and wonderful and so yes i purposely use the word sacred right right and and also the idea uh, of seeing that rebirth with the spring which in a way obviously ties into easter it does indeed and 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 certainly that's why the book has what I would say a happy ending because even in the winter time, and we could talk about this when we get to the winter mm -hmm. of the book, but the character of Greenlee is looking forward to the springtime. Mm -hmm. She's looking forward to the uh, time when, when, when new joys and new life rise up again. And yes, it is very much a metaphor uh, for the resurrection. I don't explicitly use the words death and resurrection, mm -hmm. 
But of course, the end of the human story is not death, but life, life everlasting, resurrection. And, and that's what springtime in this book is a metaphor for. Yeah, it looked like she was conga lining into the next uh, year there uh, on, uh, on January well, 1st. Well, you know, that's a very important point. I wanted right. to show her happy and strong right. throughout the whole of her life. You know, a lot of people during the pandemic, a lot of children lost loved ones who are older and got very scared. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have a book in which um, the main character goes through this tremendous change. We, we see her at the beginning of the book as a little girl, then we see her as a teenager, then we see her as an adult, and then we see her as an older lady. Uh, that's a lot of change in 32 mm -hmm. pages, you know, and you know, children are afraid of change. Right. So part of the book's message is to show that you don't have anything to be afraid of, that, that good could come out of any change. Right. Um, and that Greenlee right. is the same Greenlee at the beginning as at the end. She's still right. happy, she's still youthful, uh, she's still optimistic, and 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 you know every mm -hmm. season of life offers tremendous potential for joy. Right. Also, we've we've been showing some images from the book and how bright uh, the colors are. You know, very alive. Uh, a little different than some of the other more realistic illustrations you've used in prior books. Was that on purpose? Oh yes, it definitely was in purpose, on purpose. I always choose the illustrator for my books based on what the mission and purpose of the book is. So if I have a book on animals, I want to get someone who is great at doing animals and could uh, put human expressions on animals' faces. If I want to do a book on angels and show that angels are real and they're not pretend, then I want to, then, then I want to find someone who could portray angels with some degree of photorealism mm -hmm. because then that shows that they're real and not make-believe. Mm -hmm. But the point of this book was to show that life is beautiful, life is joyful. So I had to find an artist whose style was joyful and I think I found that with this uh, gal named Louise Ellis. She's a Brit, she lives in northern England and I think she's filled every single page, as you said, with mm. tremendous color. It's brimming over with life. There are so many different animals in this book and insects and critters. It's sort of like a where's Waldo. Mm -hmm. uh, children will have a lot of fun looking for the different animals. And I think she conveys this idea of the book that not only is life beautiful, but that God is a God of life mm -hmm. and a God of abundant life. Now you mentioned here uh, about fall and you're calling it the bittersweet season of all. Why? I think most people understand that fall is bittersweet. It's sweet because it's beautiful. All of those blazing colors, it's just, just absolutely gorgeous. Bittersweet because the reason why we have all those colors is because the flowers and the, 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 the trees and the green grass is dying. The brown colors, the orange colors are a sign of, the, of, of death and the coming of winter. And I think that this is why the fall is usually the favorite season for painters and, and writers and other kinds of artists because it makes them more reflective. It makes you think more about the end of things, about mm -hmm. the coming winter, about death. I don't think I've ever composed a book in the summertime mm -hmm. because you're too busy out there enjoying life and having fun. But in the, in the, in the bittersweet autumn though, that is the time for reflection. Right, I think it's also, and to follow on with the fall uh, perspective, you talk about once the year passes, it comes back no more. Now, it does in the sense of the seasons, but that particular season will be gone. And are you trying to make sure that young people realize that they need to live their lives today? I'm, you know, that line there is more directed towards adults, okay. adults like me. 
because I because the point is we get old and we have a tendency to be sticks in the mud <laughs> and we don't go out there and we're not willing to make a fool of ourselves. We're not willing to look. We're supposed to be adults and we're supposed to be serious and we forget, you know, we're only got one life in this life anyway. We've got a whole eternity in heaven, but this particular life, we only go through it once. We don't believe in reincarnation, you know, where we go over and over. We just have one life and we should never be afraid to act a little silly uh, or do things that may might make us look foolish. And I, I have a tendency to, to, to be a stick in the mud myself. So I put that line in there mm -hmm. for me as much as I did for anybody else. Right. In the next to the last illustration, it says, brave the harsh weather and don't be afraid. The end of the year, God also has made. Are you trying to say something here, as you alluded to earlier, about fear and courage, especially for young people, even as, yes. uh, even as we become this is, adults, this, this right? Is, this is the center of the book here. The book is about courage and fear. Children are afraid of so many things because, as you said before, the world is a big place and children are small. Things that we take for granted yeah. uh, petrify children. You know, a trip to get a haircut, a uh, doctor's checkup, a dentist's uh, checkup, uh, first uh, day in uh, school, first day in a new neighborhood, more serious things like the death of a pet, the death of a grandparent. These things are very frightening, very frightening to children. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we know that change is a part of life. And we have to somehow teach them that change isn't something to be feared all the time. And again, that's why I, I, I try to make that truth more, to resonate more with children by showing them this story of Greenlee, who changes over the course of her whole life. And she, goes, she undergoes a huge change from a little girl to an old lady. It's a radical change. And if she's still happy at the end of that process, and she still is dancing on Congo lines and getting joy out of life, well, then that's the message there to children is, 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 not to be, is not to be afraid of change. You know, the Bible says over 100 times, you know, be not afraid. And right. the reason why it says that is because we have to have trust that God has a plan. Uh, we can't always see that plan, but God has a plan and he loves us. And that's why that line says, right. brave the harsh weather and, and don't be afraid. The end of the year God also has made. So where'd you come up with the name Greenlee? It's not exactly one that one normally well, hears. Well, you know, uh, actually, uh, it's my goddaughter. My goddaughter's name is Greenlee. And um, she's, she, you know, and I, I, I love her and I spoil her. But then I thought to myself, you know, her name is kind of strange. And, 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 and uh, one time she asked me to, you know, I, uh, to write a book for her. And I expected her to, to say, you know, I said, well, what do you want me to write it about? And I expected her to say, well, write about a puppy or something like that. And she, she said, write about everything, Uncle Anthony, write about everything. And I tried to come up with an idea. How can I write about everything? And I thought about this story, about showing a, a person's whole life. And I thought that her name, uh, while you know not a very common name, right. lent itself to this story because it sort of has an evergreen feel right. to it. Right, very good. That's Greenlee is growing. We wanted to talk as well about the donkey that no one could ride. Uh, and this book came out, like I said, about, uh, what, 2012 or so? Is that when it came out? Yeah, 10 years ago, a whole decade ago. Right. Unbelievable. And why don't you give us the overview of this quickly, and then we're going to uh, sure. uh, feature a video that was uh, created years ago uh, yes. on the book itself. Well, the donkey that no one could ride is a retelling of the gospel story of uh, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem uh, before Holy Week. It's really the story of the first 
Palm Sunday. And in this book, we see a character of this lowly, small, weak donkey who doesn't think that he's able to do anything, uh, that no one could ride on him because he's so weak. And yet this is the very donkey that Jesus Christ chooses to ride on to go into Jerusalem uh, to face his death. And I originally wrote this book because I wanted to offer parents and children an alternative to the Easter Bunny. Mm. I wanted to write an Easter story that had more to it than just chocolate bunnies or dyed Easter eggs. Mm. And, and you're right, though, it's become my best-selling, most popular right. children's book. It just keep, you know, it's still popular. Okay, let's, uh, let's present a video that was created on the book itself, and we'll be back right after this with more with Anthony. The Donkey That No One Could Ride by Anthony Stefano. was a donkey, young, weak, and small, so weak he could carry nothing at all. Even when children sat on his hide, he'd wobble and tumble and fall on his side. No matter how much he tried or he cried, this was a donkey that no one could ride. He couldn't haul stones. He couldn't dig ditches or carry rich men with their big bags of riches. He couldn't pull carts with huge bales of hay. Just lifting a feather would make his legs sway. No, this donkey was useless, no good at all. Too puny, too shaky, too scrawny, too small. Now the donkey's owner was quite mean and tough. He said to the donkey, I've had quite enough. He pointed his finger and said with a huff, You can't lift a person no matter how light. So take all your things and get out of my sight. Go away from here, donkey. Go away and just hide. What use is a donkey that no one can ride? So the donkey was led to the far edge of town, pulled by his neck with his head hanging down. He was tied to a post on a small dusty road and left all alone while his tears overflowed. Left all alone and wondering why, he was born to be weak and born to be shy and born to be frightened, and born to cry. Just then, two men appeared alongside, the post in the village where the donkey was tied. They came without warning on that fateful day. They came and untied him and took him away. The donkey was frightened, he said to the men, where are we going? And then said again, where are we going? And what about me? Please leave me alone and just let me be. Keep quiet, the men said. We mean you no harm. Just follow us quickly. No cause for alarm. They walked on for miles and miles until they got to a town at the foot of a hill. At the foot of the hill stood a man tall and thin, wearing a cloak with a beard on his chin. He had eyes that seemed sad and longish dark hair and a voice soft and gentle that floated on air. He said to the donkey, it's time that you knew about the great thing that you're destined to do. 
You'll carry me into the city, we two. Into the city, I'll ride atop you. What's that you say? cried the donkey with dread. There's simply no way. You've been misled. I'm just a small weakling. You must go ahead and look for another to take you instead. You see, I'm just hopeless ever since I was born. I've been subject to insults and teasing and scorn. My back's somewhat crooked. My legs aren't strong. I'm just a big failure who does everything wrong. Won't you believe me, the sad donkey cried. Just leave me alone and cast me aside. I'm just a poor donkey that no one can ride. The man looked at him with a face that was wise, with a warm, tender smile and love in his eyes. And then in a calm and mysterious way, he opened his mouth and started to say, My help is enough. It's all that you need. It's all you require in life to succeed. The weaker you are, the more strength I give. I'll be there to help you as long as you live. I know you feel tired and frightened and broken, but do you believe these words that I've spoken? Do you believe I ask you again? Do you have faith I can heal you, my friend? For some reason, the donkey was sure that he knew the words the man spoke were honest and true. They were said with such kindness and caring and love as if they came from heaven above. The donkey burst out, I believe that it's true. I believe, he repeated, I believe, yes I do. The man stretched his hand out and closed both his eyes. And then to the little donkey's surprise, he felt a sensation he couldn't control from the top of his head right down to his soul. All of a sudden, he realized that now his body was stretching and changing somehow. Most amazing of all, at that very hour, the donkey began to sense he had power. He didn't feel small or weak any longer. Instead, he felt stronger and stronger and stronger. He could feel in his body the energy flowing he could see with his eyes that his muscles were growing. His back felt like iron. His legs felt like steel. His chest felt so strong, it just couldn't be real. It's a miracle. A miracle, the donkey cried out. A miracle, a miracle beyond any doubt. In order to show all the thanks that he felt, the donkey bowed his head down and knelt in front of the man who had made him so strong, with a beard on his chin and hair that was long. The man looked upon him with sorrowful eyes, then sat on his back and told him to rise. We're bound for that city that's west of the hill. I have a great mission I need to fulfill. The donkey got up, his tears had all dried. With big bulging muscles he started to stride. No longer a donkey that no one could ride, now he had courage and power and pride. He started to stride. He started to run. He couldn't believe he was having such fun. With a clippity-clop and a clippity-clop, he kept right on going with no need to stop. But as they drew near to the gate of the town, the donkey could hear a very strange sound. The curious noise made him perk up his ears. What could it be? It sounded like cheers. 
Soon crowds of people came into sight, shouting and waving their arms with delight. They were cheering the man and giving him praise, yelling hosannas and crying hoorays. It was amazing to see the love they expressed. They called him a prophet and said he was blessed. In front of the donkey they threw with their arms, flowers and garments and branches and palms. They laid all these down and started to sing, calling the man a savior and king. The donkey was happy, gone were his tears. Never had people sung in his ears. Never was there a moment so sweet as carrying a king with palms at his feet. And all his life after the donkey rejoiced that the king had made such a wonderful choice. To help with the greatest mission of all, the king used a donkey, young, weak, and small. So every year at Easter time, renew your hopes again. Remember how a little faith can give you strength, and then gather all your friends around and tell the tale of when a tiny donkey carried God into Jerusalem. And there we have it. And just before we go, one of the things a little bit different about that video is uh, you didn't read the book in this particular case, right? Yes, I spared uh, viewers and listeners, uh, especially my nasal New York uh, accent. I went out and actually hired a professional, somebody with one of those golden uh, throats. Mm. And I'm sure all your viewers are giving thanks for that now. Now, 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 that's humility. The donkey that no one could ride. Uh, perfect for Easter along with Greenlee is growing. Another book in the works? Uh, I have a, an, a book for adults coming out uh, from Sophia Press uh, in a few months called 30 Days to Your New Life. It's for adults, believe it or not, not for children. Okay, well, you can send it to me anyway, and I'll be happy to read it. Maybe we can talk <laughs> about it. Thank you so much, Anthony. As always, Greenlee is Growing and the Donkey That No One Could Ride, both available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic. Check it out, especially for Lent and Easter. I'm Doug Keck. Join us next time right here on Bookmark.